Center. It's Wednesday after 11 o'clock news. That means that Bob Metz is in the studio. You hear Bob's? President accounted for, and Jeffrey Schlemmer's back from holidays. Hello. Did you have a nice time? Yeah, great time. Where'd you go? Went to the uh, Redwood Forests in Northern California. Hugging the trees out there, were you? Yeah, and they're big trees, biggest in the world. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, as you know, if you're a regular listener, well, if you're not a regular listener, let me welcome you to the program. Uh, this hour every week, we have uh, uh, Jeff and Bob come in. They are nominally on the uh, tend to be more to the right of issues, uh, Bob and Jeff to the left. But the nice thing about these two gentlemen is that uh, neither one of them restricts themselves to that. They are, I think, both of them. And I, 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 I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I think they are both seekers after truth. They're both looking to find, uh, you know, the right way to do things, the best way to do things, whatever adjective you like. And that's why I like having them here, because they're certainly able to discuss issues from two different perspectives, but I know they have a certain amount of respect for each other, and to me that makes the show that much more valuable. Uh, gentlemen, I want to ask you to indulge me today and uh, go in a direction that's been reflected on this program for the last little while. And I'm, I know we're losing some listeners over this, people who are tired of it, but I think that's a chance we have to take. And it's the issue of free speech in our society today. It's come under a lot of fire lately. Uh, the most recent is this thing on Monday night at council between the mayor and the, and the council. Uh, some of the councillors say it's got nothing whatsoever to do with that. Other councillors say very strongly uh, that's exactly what it's about. It is a free speech issue. It is uh, another opportunity or another uh, attempt to have Big Brother looking over somebody's shoulder, the mayor, the councillors, whatever, uh, for fear that they may say something wrong. Uh, and it was elucidated very clearly this morning by Councillor Walker that that really was, she said that was her intent. People may have misinterpreted it, but her intent was to ensure that no one speaking for the city says anything wrong or says anything inappropriate or says anything politically incorrect because they shouldn't be allowed to do that if they're, if they're an elected official. To me, it goes beyond that. I see it as an issue of free speech, and I, I want to ask each of you, not necessarily whether you do, whether you agree with this or not, but how far does, should free speech go in our society? I'm not going to say a free society, because that, again, that definition is kind of up for grabs. What does free mean? But in our society, and I ask you first, Jeff, what, at what point should society, as represented by the law, step in and say, no, you can't say that? I'm sorry, you cannot say that. Well, um... I'll, I'll answer that in just a sec, but one thing that I guess I would suggest is that uh, it's not an absolute thing, that there are things that people may say that uh, that are are unpopular or bad or whatever, which is not to say that they should necessarily be thrown in, in leg irons for it, but uh, the classic example that I sort of hear about free speech is that you shouldn't be allowed to yell fire in a crowded room, that if you do that, something there should be some punishment or penalty for that because it has no social utility, it's not as an expression of an opinion, it's just mischief. Mm -hmm. It's basically just designed to get a lot of people trampled. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do that, then that should get you in trouble. Um, having said that, you sort of back down the scale of things to things that are unpopular or things that are uncontroversial. Um, you get into the hate crimes area, for instance, um, where you have people, there are some people who, again, are clearly aiming at mischief and trying to uh, foment um, intolerance or, or bigotry. There are other people who may genuinely believe things that are unpopular or, or that are probably not true that have the effect of offending a lot of people. I think that uh, those people have to be protected. And one of the things that always struck me about, about laws like the Charter of Rights, for instance, is that those laws really don't 
uh, have much application to the average person. It's only the people on the fringe who really uh, exercise those rights and those laws. The Charter of Rights really doesn't mean anything for, for you and me. It mostly means things to people who get charged with crimes. <laughs> you know, if they get charged with crimes, there are these certain protections that are supposed to protect them. Uh, and the same thing in the context of free speech, that uh, for most of the things that, that we say on a daily basis, they're not that controversial. They're not on the sort of cutting edge of, of what's acceptable. It's only when you get into that sort of range that it is important to protect free speech. And I think, though, that free speech is the thing that makes our society different than a lot of societies in the world today and a lot of societies historically. I think free speech is what gives us effectively a more free country, a much more free country than we've seen in history uh, and that we see in most of the rest of the world. So I think that uh, ultimately free speech comes down to defending the right of people to say unpopular things that you may hate but that is extremely important for our society that they're allowed to say. Okay, but I, I've got to, I'm going to push you a little bit harder on that. Sure. What can't they say? You, sort of, you, you mentioned this kind of in passing, but where do you draw that line? Well, I, I, would, I guess one thing is that I sort of hate to go off half-cocked on, on things that I haven't thought about a lot because the line is a, it's a very fuzzy one. For instance, there may be issues that, I'm not, that I haven't given a lot of thought to and I'm not really, uh, haven't thought through all the different sides, but... Um, again, if, if something is said that is aimed basically just at mischief, just at hurting other people, that's clearly untrue, that is, again, not a matter of raising an issue for debate in society or anything, then, you, then I think that you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And the other part of it is the context. I would say in your own house, you can say whatever you want. You can say absolutely anything. As far as I'm concerned, your house is your house. And if you've got guests over and they hear it, then, well, they should, if they don't like it, they can leave your house. Uh, but if you're out on the street or if you're on uh, TV or you're in the, in the news and you say something that amounts to hatred, for instance, um, I think in those are the places where it's reasonable to restrict things. All right. Now, if I was, should I be, I'm going to give you two examples here. Should I be able to say, and I don't happen to believe this, but should I be able to say, I'm not convinced that the Holocaust was as bad as it's made out to be. Should I be able to say that? And should I be able to say that, uh, just, oh, for example, uh, um, Christianity is a, is a very intolerant, hate-filled religion. Should I be able to say either or both of those things? Uh, sure, you should be able to say, I, I personally think that you should be allowed to say both of those things. Um, but I don't think you should be allowed to say, for instance, that... Uh, that um, well, uh, if you tried to attribute the Holocaust to being some kind of a public relations campaign by Jewish people, for instance, mm -hmm. I think that goes beyond the pale. Um, but wh why does it go there? Because it's, there's no substantiation for that at all? Well, partly, and I think that it's also attributing sort of uh, bad motives to people who have been, uh, from, from everything that I have seen and heard, uh, extraordinary victims of a mm -hmm. terrible, terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a reasonable sensitivity there, uh, and that it's not unreasonable in a civilized society to say, we're not going to let you push that hot button. We're not going to let you jab the knife into the side of these victims. You know what I think happens the minute we react that way? I think right away, then a significant portion of the public begins to think that there's some truth to that those things that are being suppressed. Mm -hmm. And then you get all the conspiracy people out and everybody else worried about, oh, the government suppressing truth from us, which... In a sense, they are. You know, I thought about this a lot, and even the whole concept, for example, there's this growing movement, we've got to have hate laws, you know, you know laws against, which really is a, a, a law against freedom of expression. But if we were to ban the expression of hate, which I do not believe we should, I think mm -hmm. we should allow it to, 
to, as long as it's just expression, we're not talking action, we're mm -hmm. talking expression of ideas. What if it leads to action? What if it's a call to action? Nothing is, is incorrect until the action is there, and even then you may have to make a moral judgment, because how do you know the call to action isn't for a legitimate moral purpose? These, morality is at the basis of all of this at all times, mm -hmm. and that's the reason we need free speech, is so that all our actions and thoughts and ideas are open to moral judgment. People who want to suppress free speech for whatever reason are trying to avoid moral judgment. And not only that, I feel very ripped off if somebody wants to stop someone from expressing their points of view about whether it's race, sex, or whatever, because I think it's a hate laws like legislating um, um, fraud. Because, for example, say you're voting for somebody and because they're not allowed to say they don't like certain ethnic groups, you never hear that from them. Mm -hmm. So you give them your support in an election. And then you find, gee, they're doing funny things when they're in power that doesn't match your expectation of what you heard them say because you don't know that there was a law there say saying that they couldn't tell you the truth about themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore you get this misrepresentation out there. To me, it's much more effective for every Ku Klux Klan member and whatever else to be fully out there expressing themselves and to be subject to the public scrutiny that, that ironically, hate laws and stuff protect them Should from. Should I be able to say... Uh, after reading the uh, history books very carefully, I've come to the conclusion that white Anglo-Saxon males have been the oppressors of society for a, for a, a millennium. Um, and I really think that it's time they got their own back. So come on, folks, follow me down the street. We're going to set this house on fire that belongs to this white Anglo-Saxon male. And then instead of leading the parade, I just stand there and watch the parade go by. Should I be allowed to do that? To say it? To say it. Sure. Say, come on, we're going to burn that house down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what was a, now you're a lawyer from a, from the law's point of view. Am I inciting a crime? Well, I, I am inciting a crime. Uh, am I allowed to do that? That is a crime. It. As well, it just uh, it strikes me actually coincidentally that uh, one of the other lawyers in our office today is dealing with a case of somebody who's accused of counseling someone to commit arson, which is a criminal offense that's the same as arson. That is that if you call someone else to action and urge them to do something that's criminal, uh, that in itself is a crime. Uh, and I presume the reason for that is that uh, we don't want people committing crimes. Uh, you know, and that sort of comes back to Bob's thing, um, which I've always been somewhat skeptical about as well. And that is that if you tell someone to jump off a bridge, are they going to jump off a bridge? If you tell someone to go and do a hate crime, are they going to do a hate crime? Uh, on, the, on the one hand, you want them to, to be able to think for themselves. You want to be able to talk for yourself. And I don't know that it's axiomatically true that uh, if you necessarily suggest something to somebody, it makes them more likely to go do it. I, I just don't. But having said that, I don't know. Maybe a psychi psychiatrist would say some people are predisposed to go do these things. We are predisposed to pause for a moment or two. The lines are open. Open at 643-1290. Star-1290 is the free Cantel call. We'll be back to take your calls after this. The lines are open as they are every Wednesday from 11 to 12 when uh, Jeff and Bob are my guests here on Left, Right, and Center. We're always interested in your thoughts and your comments about what you're hearing. So give us a call at 643-1290. That's what Ralph did. Good morning, Ralph. Yeah, good morning. How are you today? Fine, thanks. Well, I had a chance to talk to one of the East End counselors the other day about the sign thing. Yes. And during our conversation, I said to him, you know, he started to explain to me about provincial regulations, this, that, and the other. I said, you know what the problem with our society is? We have so many regulations and so many wusses in this society. I'll you take that as a plus or minus comment about people in Canada. Mm -hmm. So many wusses who won't get up and tell the government, listen, stick your law where the sun doesn't shine. We're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think the three, the three stooges that we have as a comment about the uh, my opinion about the uh, City Hall Council, they reflect 
the Three Stooges is a group. Mm-hmm. Now, that may be a hate comment or might be a good comment or a funny comment, but they reflect the Three Stooges. They're even funnier. Mm. They should they could probably get admission for what they do in this town. <laughs> and this guy, Keith Norton, yeah. hey, don't have him cross my sunlight. He may have difficulty getting away from the house. <laughs> and I would tell a guy who's in charge of a commission personally, stick it, fella. I don't have to answer to you. You're not elected. You may be appointed. Take a hike. You know, the danger, the very dangerous thing, though, Ralph, what? in our society, is you, you can certainly say those words, but they're not true. You are accountable to him, and that's, I, the, that's I, the frightening no, thing. No, I would tell him in any forum, take a hike. Well, and if he doesn't like it, too bad. No, no, Ralph, you missed my point. My point is you can certainly say that to him, yeah. but he has the power ultimately to levy a huge fine on you, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, even uh, can they lead you to incarceration? Well, not directly. No? They will okay. tell you, not directly, it's an indirect route. You've got to refuse to pay for it. Well, I'd refuse to pay for it, sure would. So you go to jail then? Well, they can, they can feed me forever. I can sit there and watch TV forever. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I hear you, Ralph. Thanks for your call today. Bye-bye. Good to hear from you. Yeah, the point I'm trying to make with, to Ralph, folks, is it's fine, and I've joked about it, too, you know, sue me if you or come after me if you want, Human Rights Commission. The point is, even though they are not elected and they are appointed, they do have some in- incredible powers, and uh, you can't simply thumb your nose at them and walk away. You can thumb your nose at them, but you can't walk away. I think that's what more people need to do, and it was a very big shame that our city council and the mayor did not do exactly that. Um, I just tried to picture in my mind what it would have been like watching the police come to arrest the mayor of a city to take her off to jail because she refused to proclaim a gay pride week. I mean, can you imagine the ultimate consequence of the laws that we are living with, and yet people constantly acquiesce to them? before they bring it to that point mm-hmm. because it's the only it's only the bringing to that point that brings a consciousness to the people and i think that people who fight the human rights commission to the end are those people who are putting their whole lives and reputations on the line to 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 fight for everyone's freedom and i agree i disagree with you jeff when you say that the charter is just for the people on the fringes. It's for all of us. It's for you and me, for everything that we're sitting here saying. Yeah, but every day you don't don't use it, though. You use it if you get into trouble. Well, that's not the point. A right exists as a constant thing. Whether you need to use a particular, have freedom to a particular action is, is just a matter of life's course. But we could say something inadvertently here, you know, through through the next half hour that could get us in big trouble with the law. And we have to think about these kinds of things. yeah, well, that's it. It's it's like insurance. It's there if you need it. But uh, as I say, for most of us, it really doesn't have much relevance in our daily life. Uh, as far as the human rights thing, I... I well, do you I think that if ch- we didn't have... <laughs> I changed the topic here, but of course, I think Keith Norton is a terrific guy. I think he's one of the best uh, Tory cabinet ministers ever. He seems like a smart guy to me. Um, but as far as the uh, the proclamation, it raises one of the issues, which is, is... Are you in a different position if you're an elected official than if you're Joe Blow on the street? And are you in a different position if you're like a premier or a prime minister or a mayor than you are as any other elected official? And I would argue that you are in some respects, that you're representing some group of people rather than just yourself. If that's true, Jeff, then all the more we we need freedom of speech. I want to know how the mayor feels about gay rights. I want to know how Megan Walker feels about the same issue. If, if, if they're all being forced to tout the same line, I have no way of distinguishing one person from the other. But they're not. They're, they're clearly told, you can say whatever you want in your private capacity, but, but if you're not, representing but, uh, me, but you can't stand up and public. say, as the representative of Jeff Schlemmer, I can tell you that I don't like this or that or the other thing. Well, answer me this question, then, because I'm a little confused. When Diane Haskett um, 
got into this problem over the proclamation, I don't recall her ever saying that the mayor of London will not sign this. She said, Diane Haskett, me as an individual, I cannot do this in good conscience. My religion does not allow me to do this. I'm, I have to step back and then the system can take over and do whatever needs to be done. No, she said she wouldn't do it as mayor of the city of London. And in fact, at that time, you remember that Joe Swan had proposed the alternative of having council proclaim it instead, and saying Diane can absent herself and opt out altogether, and council will take a vote on it. And if they vote in favor of a proclamation, it could be a council proclamation. That was perceived to be a way out. And Diane said absolutely no way that uh, it's a mayoral proclamation, and uh, you know, you're know you not going to do this. And council, in fact, didn't vote to do that either. Uh, but no, there is always a clear difference between what Diane believes personally and what she represents and speaks for as our elected leader, the leader of our community. And I think that, that you can be in different jobs where you do have different responsibilities about what you say. Judges are another example where judges are... Uh, they're somewhat restricted in what they can say. Their freedom of speech is restricted because it's considered to be for the greater good of everybody that judges aren't spouting off all the time saying things that could make us think they're not going to decide cases fairly. Uh, and, and Bob may, makes a very good point, which is, well, maybe it's better to know. You know, maybe it's better to know well, what they think. Well, I think we should know, and I think that you can't assume that a person's going to be elected to public office and not and not carry out their personal views and beliefs. Yeah, of course. You know, there, there, nor, should, nor should they be restricted from doing it. See, I there's, a diff there's a funny issue here, because, you see, the mayor is, in effect, the chief executive officer of a corporation, mm -hmm. which is the city of London. Now, were this a private corporation, you know, then, then I could see the shareholders definitely restricting that person's quote, freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Not that they're restricting it, it's just that that person would know in advance and agree in advance that the consequence of being the, the president of this company, I cannot engage in these activities mm -hmm. or say these things. It's mm -hmm. part of the deal. Mm -hmm. that, that's, 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 that's a freedom that the person exercises. However, politics, because this is a public kind of corporation and, and we vote, we're not really shareholders in the strictest sense. It's a much more public and open thing and I think you have to have it open. You know, you, you asked where should we draw the line on freedom of speech. You know, the first thing I think of sometimes is, well, we have to have truth and objectivity as a standard. But that by itself is not the, where you draw the line, because if I believe in the flat earth society and I want to go around and tell people the earth is flat, should that be against the law? It's not true. But no, that, that, because it doesn't harm anyone and it's not libelous or slander. These are the only two areas where I think the law can intervene and only after the person being liable or slander takes action themselves mm -hmm. through the recourse of the law and that's where they can say if i'm saying that joe blow is a murderer or a child molester and he's not he has every right to stop me from saying that once i've said it once and once he goes to the law and has that kind of recourse but beyond that kind of uh... it's not even a restriction it's a it's sort of more a consequence of one's one's speech and actions uh, beyond that, I think anyone should be able to express any idea, however unpopular or however uh, it may offend people. Oh, I think you've got to go a long ways in free speech. And as you say, I think that uh, what you ultimately end up doing, if you're uh, truly believing in free speech, is defending the right of people who you strongly disagree with to say what they're saying. And well, I think that that's a cornerstone of our society. Well, Jeff, I have to ask you something then, about your comments about, about, Keith, about Keith Norton and, and what a stellar human being he is. And so on, I've interviewed him. He's a very nice man. Um, this is Claire Hoy's column from the, uh, from the Hill Times from a couple of months ago. And Claire was our guest earlier today. And he talks about the Toronto Star, which um, did a feature in 1995 about 
a Jewish Holocaust survivor. They wrote a, you know, we've all seen these kinds of stories before. Here's an individual who survived the Holocaust, happened to be Jewish, they wrote a story about it. Um, a, uh, an ethnic group, and I'm not even going to mention it because it doesn't matter, but a certain, well, I guess I have to end the context of the story. The, 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 uh, the, um, the uh, Polish community, or representative of the Polish community, um, took issue with this and said that the star had ignored the fact that there was also a Polish Holocaust, and this was unfair, uh, that they should not have done that. Um, she also complained that the Ontario Press Council had declined to adjudicate her organization's complaint. The Press Council said, we didn't decline to adjudicate it, there was nothing to adjudicate. It was a very clear, it was a story, they wrote a story about this, they didn't write a story about you, well, too bad. You know, there's no, there's no compulsion or compunction for us to do this. So she then went to the Ontario Human Rights Commission and said that uh, this was the star's lack of action on her complaint was proof that uh, they are patently racist. And she argued that the right of Polish Canadians to equal treatment with respect to services, the service in this case being having stories written about them, had been infringed. Now the Ontario Human Rights Commission took this under advisement and basically said, well, you're right, and we are going to look into it. We are going to look into the Toronto Star, into the things they write, and uh, just make sure that they're giving balanced account of all the news that's out there. Now, as a, as a, I'm, I've never called myself a journalist, but as a broadcaster, I'm mortified by that idea. They have no Jim, mandate that, to do that. That idea no right is, to that do that. But again, if you're saying that they, that they took a complaint in, that's what their job is. And uh, I guess there are a couple of aspects of that. If, if, like, what I expected to go on was to have Claire write that there was an order made against the star, that they were ordered to write a column about the um, Polish Holocaust, uh, and I don't see that. If, if they took on well, a complaint... Well, the case isn't over yet. Well, they may very well be ordered to do that. Yeah, but again... As I've said lots of times on this show, anybody can start an action against anybody they want in our society, under our legal system. I can sue you tomorrow and call you all kinds of bad names and accuse you of all kinds of bad things. And that case will take three years or four years before it gets thrown out of court. In the meantime, people can go around saying Chapman's being sued for blah, 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 for millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. The implication being that, you know, there must be some smoke, or there must be some fire there if there's all this smoke. And yet there doesn't have to be any smoke at all. It's just this bumptious, right. slow process. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what... That, that, to me, says the same thing about this kind of thing. Except Their job is to take these complaints in and investigate them. At the end of the that. day, I have no doubt they'll say it's not, it's not racist. Except that, after two years of investigating, Norton announced that they are going to look into the editorial policies of the Toronto Star. That's his job. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. Policies of, uh, of, of, of a media? If somebody comes forward with a complaint, they're supposed to investigate it. We've talked before about the difference between boards and courts, and, uh, and what I've sort of heard is that people like courts better than boards. No, but again, what I'm saying is that you're, all you're saying is that there's a process here where if somebody says that somebody hasn't been or somebody's been a racist, there's a process that they can go through to figure out whether they think there has been or not. Why and does if it so, matter it should be if done. somebody's a racist? A person has a right to be a racist. No, but this isn't uh, a matter of private to, to racism. Me, what she's saying is it was published in the Toronto Star. It's obviously cares? public. Who cares? If someone's a public racist, then, uh, then what? we've decided in our society that there are ways that you shouldn't be allowed to express that racism. And, and that's all this is. So, so then right we would bat, never know that Mr. Said, X was a racist. Nobody has said, except the complainant, that there's racism here, for starters. But what you're saying is you don't like a process that takes two years, that they shouldn't investigate these things, they should throw them out right off the bat. Well, well wait a minute, wait a minute. Neither Bob nor I said that. Let me read this to you again, Jeff. Uh, and I'm, I'm quoting from Claire Hoy. He, he quotes from the, the Star's lawyer. 
saying, well, let me read this, because this is important. This is the star's lawyer. It is the star's position that the right to unfettered discretion with respect to the content of the material published by a newspaper is integral to its freedom. All right. He also noted that the human rights quote, and I'm quote quoting here, was not enacted to regulate the content of Canadian newspapers. Close quote. Claire goes on to say, none of this apparently seems to matter to Norton. It took him two years to decide, but he's now determined to investigate the star for its content. But right not for its bat, hiring practices or any such matters that are properly within the jurisdiction of the OHRC. Those yeah. things aren't Right off the bat, properly. what that lawyer said is his position. It's not the law, it's not truth, it's not reality, it's what the lawyer says he would like to have happen at the end of the day. If he takes the position that a paper can print whatever he wants, whatever they want, then he's simply wrong. Under Canadian libel law, there's a lot of things they can't print. And the Toronto Star is but that wasn't been found to have been Jeff. guilty of libel time after time. They mm -hmm. can't print whatever they but want. But isn't that the whole point? They've been found guilty of libel in the past. Yeah. If this is libelous, one assumes they'll be found guilty of libel again. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that this person may have gone, like I would suggest that she's gone about this the wrong way and I would suggest at the end of the day she's not going to get what she wants. I would suggest at the end of the day this complaint will be thrown out. Well, I however, hope right. I however, hope having said that, the idea that we have a place you can go to make a complaint, the idea that they investigate it, the idea that they're really slow because they're, they're way backlogged and they don't have nearly enough staff, the hell out of none me, of yeah. those things are bad things. Those are good things they because if it is something bad that's gone on, then our process, hopefully at the end of the day, we'll get to it. And we can either do it by a board or a court. But with a and newspaper, I don't defend boards. I like courts. <laughs> with a newspaper, isn't it... I mean, would you not think that a, any reasonable human being would be able to, to read that article and decide, perhaps in consultation with two or three other reasonable human beings, is this, is this a racist comment or not? Why should it take two years? Why should it have to go through that process? You and I could decide in 20 minutes whether it's racist or not. Well, I agree with you, but having said that, they have the process that they go through, and it's backlogged. Why you know, are we talking about Governments are slow, no question about case. that. Because that was the charge that's what the that complainant was says. Well, yeah. you know why? Because that's one of the little boxes oh, sure. that you have Absolutely. to tick on the form. Yeah. But, but the again, if I wanted to start a complaint against you tomorrow, or anybody in the, in the city, or you wanted to start a complaint against somebody else, you can do it. And it won't be thrown out right away. It'll take months and months, even yeah, well, if it's the wackiest thing to, you ever heard. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. But the alternative, what we used to have before the, the board was there, was it was court. And with court, it was even worse, because it would be years, not like uh, years and yes, years. but at least you know, in court, you've got an opportunity to defend yourself. Well, you have the same opportunity here. That you no, just you quoted from yeah. the Toronto Star's lawyer. The lawyer has an opportunity to make all kinds of submissions, to present evidence. They're very similar to court. But the, we've got this short, short, uh, fast-track process of boards that have replaced courts in a lot of places, and they have big problems uh, as far as fairness. Okay, let's go back to the phone. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Canto. This is left, right, and center. Jeff uh, Schlemmer and Bob Metz and Jim Chapman and Gord. Hi, Gord. How you doing, Jimmy? Fine, thanks. Well, you know, this whole racism thing is, is just, well... <laughs> I only got one thing to say. It's 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 gone way out way, way out of whack. You, you, a paper is a paper is a paper, and you know what's next? We're going to have the editors having to send off send off their their commentary, their free speech commentary. Uh, let's get let's send that all off to Norton first. Let's have every Norton in in, in Ontario or every editor in Ontario send all of their commentary to Norton first for evaluation. But well, Norton's got very little to do with this. You're saying well, I, I say Norton because he's the head of the, 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 the Human Rights Commission. Yeah, he's a kind of a representative. Of yeah, the yeah. Okay, he, but he doesn't decide he's the, the case. He's name, not the guy and, who... and I hate using that name because yeah. I'm a hate monger. You see, <laughs> I, I hate using that name, Human Rights Commission. I'm 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 human and I have rights, but they're not my commission. Uh, more more pertinently to the London situation, 
uh, a question was asked earlier why or what can we do about it um, the, the answer is nothing there's nothing that can be done about it because as far as I know anyways Canadians just have no effective way of removing a politician who stepped across the line well I, now, that doesn't matter if that that statement does not mean that I condone or no. or, 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 or or whatever uh, well, removing them per se, you're quite right, but there is a lot that can be done in this particular situation. A lot has already been done. You've uh, probably heard that several of the councillors have already announced their intent to revisit this thing. They were quite happy and content to vote for it on Monday and figure that was the end of it. And now on Wednesday, several of them have indicated publicly and privately that, hey, we may have made a mistake, we're going to look at it again. Well, the only reason that they think they may have made a mistake is because there's been a big stink about it. Well, that's right, Jim. They, they, they've, they've now gone back to, to their political life. They, they, every politician forgets one thing. They have a political life and a personal life, unless you're Clinton. <laughs> and, and, and when Diane Haskett stands up and says, I cannot morally do this based on whatever, she's forgetting that whether she likes it or not, she's the mayor of every person who, who represents an alternate lifestyle. Mm -hmm. She is their mayor, mm -hmm. period, end of quote. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether they voted for her, she's their mayor. Mm -hmm. um, and, they, and they sometimes forget that, too, that she is their mayor. It doesn't matter that they voted for her. They live in a democracy. They, 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 well, uh, Gord, she is the mayor. She's not necessarily their no, mayor. No, she's their mayor. No, I disagree. She's they the mayor. live in the city of she London. Is the they are citizens of, no, of the city of she London. She is the mayor of the, the corporation. Mayor of the city of London. No, I don't think so. And vis-a-vis -vis and by road, even though they may not disagree, they may not agree. Children have no choice for parents, but we are their parents. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, citizens have a choice for their mayor, but ultimately they have no they, they have no choice of whether that is their mayor unless they were in, in, uh, in, in, in so-called democratic We're talking majority. about semantics, the difference between the and there. But what, what, well, the point you know, it's, 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 if everybody was running around. Uh, we, 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 you know, there would be total anarchy. I, and I'm an anarchist, but I, I love anarchy. I, I love dissent. I love all that stuff. But what I, the point I'm trying to make is, is that when the mayor steps across the line and forgets where her personal life and her political life ends and begins, mm -hmm. because, she, uh, okay, the citizens may not have to accept her as the mayor, but she has to accept them as her citizens. That, that's, her, that, that's not her choice mm -hmm. anymore. Once she gets to that august office of the mayor of the Gordy, city of London, Gordy, God help point. her. Get to the point, my friend. Well, the point is, she stepped across the line. She's got to pay the price. She's, she's got. She's, she's either got to. Where did she, step, like where did she not, step across the line? She either has to accept the citizens of London for who, what, why, and where but they Gord, are until no, Gord, they become illegal. Gord, Gord. And do for Hello? all citizens <laughs> what she would do for any citizen. Gord, well, she, she, it's not Gord, a what if a, what if a hate monger group put forth a proclamation she, uh, who lives in the city? She, she must represent them, too, therefore. Hey, I don't care what... If they're not doing it illegally and they haven't lost their franchise to free speech... So she, that anybody and anybody he, who says... Either you have proclamations... Or you don't have proclamations, if you, you know... Well, the bottom line now is that we don't have them. Gordy, i got to leave it there. I appreciate your call, sir. Uh, we've got to pause for a moment, and we will be right back with more on Left, Right, and Center. This is Left, Right, and Center with uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, and we were talking about a variety of things today, but revolving around this issue of, of free speech, and, and more importantly, what it really means. 
the 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 I, I want to get away from the Human Rights Commission because obviously people do have different opinions and, and Jeff's is different than mine and different than Bob's and so on. Before you do, can I just okay. make a point and come back Indeed. to the to the example that you gave okay. here about the Jewish Holocaust survivor story and then someone complaining from the Polish community that they didn't talk about the Polish Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. This is this is what I've learned is is called the politics of inclusion. Mm -hmm. Where and, and you guys in the radio business have been living with this for years. Like when during an election, for example, you can't have on a liberal candidate unless you offer equal time to the conservative candidate yes. or the NDP candidate because this is sort of the politics of inclusion. And believe it or not, even though I, I run a political party, I don't believe we should have a law like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that violates the fundamental rights of the radio station to put on who they want. Even though the radio station is using public airwaves, though. that's Well, you see, I disagree with you on that issue, that they're public. I think they're private as well, because nobody else has the right to use them but the station, and therefore it's your responsibility. You've got to pay the bills. All the things that go with ownership go with those airwaves. And, and there's, no, there's no responsibility to the public that goes with that? Well, yeah, to your customers. If you start offending them, they're going to tune out. A market responsibility, not a legal one. We shouldn't be putting you in jail. The only and problem is, Bob, the only problem is, and we've seen examples of this around this, this continent, if I were to come on every day and start ranting and raving against gays and lesbians and mothers who work and people who are tall and people who are short... You'd be Howard and the, Stern. And the darn, darn, yeah, and I'd have three times the audience I have today. So where's the market control there? Well, I then could, the market is responding positively, and, and they obviously don't find that what you're saying is either offensive or they do and tune in and let you know about it, which again involves a free exchange of ideas, which is always healthy, I think. Uh, as, to, to me, I would rather see a paper with some balanced expression of both points of view than just one point of view, even if it's mine. It gets boring, quite mm -hmm. frankly. But what if, it's not, what if it's an issue that's not about point of view, which I submit this, this Holocaust one was? I mean, I understand what you're saying. That was just an experience related. Well, exactly. That's all that was. But, but I, I still, I, I can't imagine for the life of me why Keith and his people think there's anything to look at here, because to me it's the same idea if there's a story... Because, because they believe in that principle, the politics of inclusion. Well, I'm, I'm kind of addressing this to Jeffrey. It's like, it's Nobody like, said he thinks that there's a case there. No, but it's, it's like, some, well, <laughs> actually he has said that. He has said okay, that well, to Well, it doesn't Claire. say it there. I know, but he has said that. Anyway, um, it's the same kind of problem. Somebody could phone today or phone the Human Rights Commission and say, you know, Every Wednesday on this guy's show, this loudmouth show, he has these two guys, one from the right and one from the left. Well, I'm an anarchist, and I want to be on that show, and they won't let me on the show. So my rights are being infringed, I'm being discriminated against, and I have a right to go on that show. Now, if he took that complaint to the Human Rights Commission, you're saying you think they would throw that out? They wouldn't? No, they would investigate it, and it wouldn't take them you know, a lot of digging to find out. It's the same thing as if well, somebody... What would, what would what they would find they out, digging? though? But if somebody called, as they say, you can call and allege anything you no, want. But what would they find out? They would find out that he's absolutely right. I am discriminating against him in favor of you two guys. Yeah, and then they go back and look up and find out whether anarchy is one of the protected grounds under the law, and they'd find that it isn't, and they'd say, well, sorry, you're in the wrong place. Well, okay, let me change it then and say there's a gay individual who says all three of the guys in the this show are straight and they often talk about issues that impact the gay community which we do we've done that a number of occasions and I demand to be included on that radio program and I'm going to Keith Norton and I'm going to tell him I've been excluded I've been discriminated against on the basis of my sexuality well again to me what would happen is that they would take the facts they would look into it it would take them months and months and months eventually they would figure out whether or not it does infringe the law or not because it's a law that they're administering here they're not just sort of dealing with it you know what however law? they feel like things what Ontario law? Human Rights Code the code 
is the law that they follow. It's the law that, that uh, sets this thing up. Well, and they have to find that you've offended that Ontario statute in order for them to do anything. If you haven't offended the Ontario statute, then you're going nowhere. If, if they find you have subjective. offended it, then your appeal is to the courts. The courts are the same courts that oversee the rest of our laws. This is just an Ontario law that the, you know, that the Tories brought in back in whenever it was, the 70s, I guess, saying there are these certain ways that we just don't think you should be discriminating against people. They all got together and voted in favor of it and said that's going to be Ontario law. And if people don't like it, I've suggested before that you're never going to find a government who would be more sympathetic to your case than Mike Harris's government, I would think, uh, if you want to go back and rein it in. Uh, and yet this government has had no interest in doing that. They appointed Keith Norton, like Mike Harris hired Keith Norton. Uh, and I think it's because one of the things that I often find is that people look at these cases on, on a, on a, at first glance and you think, this is just nuts. This makes no sense that they could be pursuing a case like that. But then you get into it and you find out about this thing that you didn't know or that thing that you didn't know. And that's true of cases generally. Like it, if I tell you about a case of mine, I can tell you about it in a way that would make you think, well, the other side are just crazy. There's sure. no way this could happen. I, I find but you get into the subtlety and then all of a sudden it's not so simple and then you have to sit down and look at it carefully. Well, and when you have to look simple. at it carefully, it takes a long time. I find it, first of all, fascinating that you are using as an endorsement of the Human Rights Commission a right-wing guy like Mike, Wing, like Mike Harris to, to justify <laughs> a left-wing idea, which I, in that respect, Mike's as left-wing as they come. But, you know, the facts. Let's take the facts as Jim just related them in the complaint that he just postulated for us. He said there's a gay person who thinks that we're discriminating. Now, that is a grounds of discrimination, is, is, is sexual preference. Mm -hmm. That's there. The fact is, yeah, there's no gay person here. That is a fact. That's the only fact. There are no other facts other than the person who is going to feel offended that he's not here. Now, uh, no, let, me, let, well, me, no, let me interject. There's one other fact. What's the other There's one? An, the other fact is that, that I patently am homophobic because week after week after week after week, I do not have that gay person there. That's where you come back to the law, and basically what they would have to do is say, okay, the facts in this case are not in dispute. Now we have to figure out, has a law been broken here? And they would have to go back and research it and figure out, you know, are there any similar kinds of cases? Well, I don't know. And if not, then uh, ultimately a commissioner, not Keith Norton, but whoever the commissioner is on the case, will decide whether they think a law has been broken. And if you don't like their decision, again, you just go to the courts, and a judge will look at it and decide whether, again, an Ontario law has been broken. Uh, but I think that too much is made of this difference between boards and, and the courts in the sense that all of them are just administering Ontario laws, and they're doing it in a different way, and there are some problems with boards because they allow, you know, uh, hearsay and that stuff, but on the other hand, they're a lot cheaper. That's why we have them. So we, we, we trade off the expense for, for the loss of our freedom. Yeah, and that's what we do every day in courts, because the alternative is that if you have a court that allows cross-examination, but it costs you $30,000 to go to it, then that doesn't help you either. Well, that kind of condemns the whole system from top to bottom, as far well, as I'm concerned. I do that every year on Law Day. We but, have this talk. We have to, we have to, I, I think the point of having a discussion like this is let's look for some kind of alternatives. Of I don't think we should have laws sure. like this. Uh, to me, the solution to 90% of problems is to reduce government power to not even give such power to politicians and bureaucrats that, that, that it's not even an issue to exercise it. You know, if you have a censorship board, people will find all kinds of reasons to censor. Mm -hmm. Before that censorship board existed, nobody would have thought of, of running over to the neighbor's house and telling him what he should read and what he shouldn't read. It's the existence of the very power itself that draws people to it. To me, I think issues of censorship and, and uh, hate crimes and human rights commissions are issues of power. The people who are drawn to these organizations are, are fundamentally power mongers and, and they, want to, they, ha they have to be excused and exempted from moral responsibility and therefore they create these laws that prevent 
someone from saying something against an action that they may re regard as morally reprehensible for whatever reason. And that is why we have these laws, is to, to eradicate society of morality, essentially. We had racism yeah. long before we had a Human Rights Commission. And we will have well, racism. And we'll always have racism. Oh, yeah. Racism, That's right. you know, there's race, racialism, which is the word they used to use until racism meant both personal preference and political laws. Racism in the past meant one thing only, and, and that was laws enacted on the basis of race, which is what we have today, Jeff, and the, and the laws that, like to me, the Human Rights Commission is the, the racism body in, the, in, in this province. They are there to enact racism. Well, a uh, reverse racism of, of well, what we traditionally think of as racism. Well, if, if that's the same what you mean. thing. It's, it's not re reverse or, or positive or negative. You, you, you say that they now Having favor the law, people who were historically discriminated against. Uh, Yes, and there are laws that, in effect, therefore discriminate against the other group. Well, your, your own, your own uh, profession here is in a bit of a tizzy over this suggestion that a number of people from various minorities, visible and otherwise, should be cut a little slack on their law exams, on their bar exams, because uh, historically they have been disadvantaged, so let's, you know, we're just going to, they're going to get in no matter what, well, not no matter what their marks are, but they're going to be held to a lower standard. Well, a different standard, that's true. I heard Clay no, Ruby... No, we have a different, my butt. It's a well, lower you, it's standard. Different. It's a lower standard. <laughs> if you think that a grade that you get on a particular bar admission course indicates how good a lawyer you're going to be, like, uh, that would be extraordinarily naive. Absolutely what true, they're trying but, to do but is you have to have some criteria. Yeah, I know. And if everybody doesn't have to apply to this, you know what's going to happen here. This is a classic example of a special interest group screaming for, for special uh, treatment, and it's going to come around and bite them on the butt. Because what's going to happen is every member of any of those visible minorities who's practicing law today or who practices law in the future is going to have a cloud hanging over their head. Every potential client's going to say, well, geez, you know, I want a good lawyer, but, you know, this guy, he's green. He's one of those green guys, and they got in. A whole bunch of them got in. This is, this is the public perception. It's exactly what it's going to be. The green lawyers can't be as good as the other ones. I understand what you're saying, but I don't think I just don't happen to agree with it. That uh, the criteria that we've used historically to assess who gets to be a lawyer and who doesn't get to be a lawyer are extremely flawed, and there is all kinds of evidence to suggest that they have favored white males historically. And when I went to law school, uh, most of us were white males, and that's just the way it was. How do you fit far more of us than there was represented in our yeah, society? But in a, in, a, in a, because far more of you chose to take pick, take up the laws. No, because we had a much easier time going through schools. Generally, we didn't have cultural differences. We didn't have language problems. We didn't have all kinds of different things. We were the ones who were exposed to all of the things that best qualified us to answer their particular questions. When you took the bar admission course, it was basically a test in how much do you know about middle class white values. You know, that's what they tested. I uh, thought you, you took law school to, to study law. and that you don't take about the testing. Law school, they, you know, they hopefully teach you some things about law, but as far as you take a bar admission course before you get in, what are you, you take saying? For this four hour they exam. ask you what color you are and what culture you're no, from. No, they, they ask questions. Well, the first have, thing was that there were about half a dozen different tests administered when I took it. I have no idea how it is now, but back in the early 80s, when you walked in, you got one of half a dozen different tests randomly distributed. They asked you questions about English literature, for instance. Uh, you know, so if you had gone through a sort of North American public school system, you'd be familiar with these things. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't. It's not to say you're not as smart the next guy. But wasn't the point of that to make sure that you could operate in the in the cultural climate in which you were going to go and practice law? No, it depends who you talk to, and, and certainly one of the strongest critics of the bar admission courses uh, uh, tests has been uh, Ralph Nader, uh, and it's sort of widely accepted that uh, these tests do not test whether you can become a good lawyer or not. They're just a way of arbitrarily distinguishing between a group of people. You've got a ton of people who want in, and you can only accept so many of them, so you put up together this test. So anyway, you've got bar admission exams at the other end of the process after law school that you have to pass in order to become a lawyer. 
and what they've said is that if you grew up in a, uh, a reserve somewhere in northern Ontario or if you grew up in uh, uh, some other uh, country or some place where, where you're not speaking English, for instance, that's going to put you at a disadvantage on a time-limited test. You've only got so much time to go through it if you're dealing in a second language to start with and also you're trying to cope with it or, or you just don't know a lot of these cultural things that are, that are implicit in a lot of the questions, then they're not going to accurately test whether you're as likely to be a successful lawyer as the white guy. So to me, that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, basically, what they're trying to do is sort of get around to figuring out something we've talked about before, which is why is it that there are, there are uh, minorities dramatically underrepresented in the law? Like there are hardly any who are judges, even same with women, hardly any who are judges. Judges by and large and lawyers by and large are still white guys. And uh, we're trying to figure well, out why is that, and is it because white guys are smarter? And I just I did think that's not true. And I also think if you that's want not to see unreasonable. That reversed, speaking of reverse discrimination, go to the Human Rights Commission and see who are the lawyers and the judges and everything there. You won't find too many white males. Well, uh, I, I don't uh, know. I have no well, idea. Well, I know. I've been through the system. Okay. I have no and, idea. And, and uh, it's remarkable. And I think even the McKenzie Institute did a study of it, and they just pointed out how it's just total reverse discrimination in that institution. We have to pause for a moment, folks. We'll be back to wrap up this edition of Left, Right, and Center. Left, Right, and Center with Schlemmer and Matt. We've been talking, actually, been all over the place today, which is the way this program usually goes and is one of the reasons I like it, and we know you do. We get a lot of comment about this show. Let me say again, if there is a topic or an issue out there that you'd like to have discussed on Left, Right, and Center, uh, we'd be pleased to hear from you. And interesting, the mail we do get, uh, I get some people, I'll be honest, who say that too often you and Bob gang up on Jeff, but I get a remarkable number of people who say the opposite thing. They say, uh, you're a little farther left than we thought, Chapman, you and Schlemmer get along too well. So obviously people are perceiving different things here, and it, as long as you're taking something positive away, we're pleased to have that happen. Guys, I'm going to come back, we've got about one minute left here, I'm going to come back to the original, my original question, see if we've changed it at all. Jeff, what should we not be allowed to say? Uh, very little. I think that we should be allowed to say just about anything, and the only things are things that are clearly just aimed to hurt people uh, or to get people hurt. Uh, but I think that fundamentally freedom of speech is all about defending to the death the right of someone else to say something that you violently disagree with. Bob? Um, I think you should be allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater, especially if there is a fire. Uh, the responsibility of free speech has to follow a certain action. And just as, as an example you picked where should a guy be allowed to tell people to go down the street and burn that guy's house down, I say, yeah, he should be allowed to say that, but if they actually go burn the house down, he's, co he's complicated in it. Mm -hmm. And then he, because then he lives with the responsibility of his endorsement, let us say. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the law would have, have the right to act. And that's really what a lot of this is about. People think they can prevent things before they happen, which came up with your yes. discussion with Megan about the mayor. You know, you can, you can look at these things after the fact, but you don't try and prevent things. Laws, laws do not prevent crimes. They only offer a recourse. Gentlemen, thank you. It's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you. And uh, Jeff and Bob will be back, I'm guessing, next week. No more holidays for you? No more holidays for you? Okay, Jeff and Bob will be back next, <laughs> next Wednesday at 11 o'clock for the next edition of uh, Left, Right, and Center. A reminder, tomorrow, Canadian astronaut and former UWO researcher Bjarni Trigveson will be with us. He's in London to accept an honorary degree, and we're going to talk to him about his 11-day shuttle mission in August of last year, find out what that was like and what he's working on now. Also, Dr. Michael Walker, the executive director of that right-wing...